What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 100, Magic Johnson of TLDR Podcast. Uh, hopefully you got that little riddle. If you didn't, figure it out. Um, we are very happy to have the full squad back. Um, Alex missed uh, last week, Trade missed two weeks ago, so I believe this is the first podcast of the new year where we have everyone on. So that's that's a huge a huge win. Um, Alex, last year we talked about New Year's resolutions. You weren't on there, but I'm just curious what your thoughts on New Year's resolutions are and if you have any. Yeah, mine's to keep winning fantasy hockey matchups every week. Mm, that's uh, a good one. And I feel like it's been going really great so far. Damn. So, <laughs> well, uh, I didn't really do like any New Year's resolutions. There's just like, uh, I guess like think like things to work on. Like, I don't like I want to ride my bike more. I want to go paddleboard paddleboarding more often. Um, trying to like read more, that kind of stuff. Nothing like spe- super specific, but just kind of generalize things. Yeah, kind of like what trading was. Just just overall, just be better. Right yeah, on. pretty much be better. Yeah, like it. All right. Uh trading man, how are you doing? How was your week? Um, hockey world is always crazy, but how are you? Uh, I'm good, man. Uh football football weekend was uh quite interesting. Uh you know, there's that I think that's kind of took up most of my time. Um y- yesterday was a good time. I we uh we were supposed to golf yesterday, but we thought but then we thought it was gonna rain and it ended up not, so that pissed us off. So we went and bowled instead. So, but that's okay. Um, you know, that, that was fun, but I'm just, I'm excited for another week. The Chapman hockey starts back up for the final three weeks of the season. So, um, I guess I have that looked forward to. Nice. Good old Chapman hockey. Um, always, always fun to watch those games and got to work one this year. So that was super, super fun. You did. That was fun. Yeah. Um, James, man, how are you first weekend of, uh, football playoffs in the books? How are you feeling about your Niners and all, all good things coming for you? Um, right, right now I'm pretty freaking full. I had so much Mexican food like right before this podcast. Oh yeah. I had a burrito. I had like three tacos. I had enchiladas, a quesadilla and rice and beans. Bada bing, bada boom. So I'm full. Um, but Niners though, I'm very happy with that. It was a, it was a good win. I was unfortunately watching the game with a Seahawks fan at the time in trading. And then she was like talking so much shit to begin the day. Cause you know, they were winning at half mm-hmm. and I was like, this is going to be the last time I hear you talk for the rest of the day. And I was correct. Not one more people said, as the Niners obliterated the Seahawks in the second half. Very happy. Very good. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a wild week of um, football. And I think we're going to just get into that right now. Um, the wild card, uh, we had six games. Um, so it was it was a, a weekend fully packed. Got two games on Saturday, three on Sunday, one on Monday night. Um, some really, really good games. Some that were almost upsets. Um, and some just absolute blowouts. Um, I think for the most part, we did pretty good with our predictions, but James, uh, let's talk about, uh, kind of the wrap of the wildcard weekend. And then what we will have to look forward to this weekend. We did actually do pretty decently in predicting it. I think the biggest one was the Jaguars and the chargers that came up out of nowhere. And so we're going to talk about the Jaguars first. Number four, Jaguars at number one chiefs. Like I said, the Jags came off a major upset. I guess it wasn't really an upset because they're the higher seed. But they're coming off a 31-30 to come from behind win against the Chargers, in which they were down 0-27 to with four minutes left in the first half. Talk about a comeback. 30 seconds left in the first half. 30 seconds left in the first half. Yep, that's right. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looked terrible. Let's just be real. Like He had four picks. In his first six drives, he had six of them end in picks. That's bad. And the defense, though, the defense can't want to fight in the second half. 
the longest drive was 58 yards to the Chargers. The Chiefs, on the other hand, we haven't seen them yet because, you know, they were the first seed, so they get a bye. They finished 14-3 and in the regular season. Patrick Mahomes showed that he can do it without Tyreek Hill, and he's putting up MVP-esque numbers, and he's probably the favorite, to be honest. They've only lost one game since their Week 8 bye. Alex, we miss you so much, man. We love to hear your voice. So, you know, what do you think about this matchup? Who's going to win and why? Yeah, sorry I missed it. Um, I was watching the Kings destroy the Oilers, um, as always. Yeah. Uh, and then it rained for like forever. So it took me forever <laughs> to get home. Um, I I would probably would have picked the Jags uh, last weekend. Just they were at home. The Chargers are the Chargers. Um, Trevor Lawrence has never lost on a Saturday before. I don't know if you guys have heard this stat, but he like he never lost in high school or college or in the NFL on a Saturday before, which is really strange and that all comes to an end uh this saturday uh, also, i just looking up i uh, looking up the weather um and it looks like it's supposed to be raining in kansas city and they don't have a dome um and i just think like the chiefs are too good their defense is good um you know obviously like you said james trevor lawrence looked really bad in that first half and like they kind of got bailed out on the fact that they were playing the chargers and the chargers always do this in the playoffs and like you can't do that against the chiefs so um I think the only chance that Jags really have is if they play a perfect, perfect game. And even that might not be enough. So what do you think the score is going to be? Um, 31-17. Chiefs win. Okay. Jay, your thoughts? Yeah, I tend to agree with, uh, I tend to agree with Alex here. I mean, uh, look, Chiefs have, Chiefs got an extra uh, a week off. The Jacksonville Jaguars coming off a pretty amazing, I mean, a quite amazing comeback but i just think they're outclass and outmatched in every facet of the game um you know you look at the you look at the quarterback position it's not even it's not even a competition um you look at the experience of these kansas city chiefs it's incredible um you know they consistently make it to to uh at least they have for the past what three years made it to the afc championship um and you know that that just builds that pedigree builds that experience and you have a lot and you have these jacksonville jaguars that are coming off a very emotional win, but but they're gonna be they're gonna be up against a team that's just you know outclasses them in every facet of the game. Uh, I think it's a Chiefs win twenty four or thirty four to twenty four. Tyler, yeah, I pretty much agree with what everyone else is saying. Um, pretty pretty wild win for the Jaguars there, but yeah, I mean the, the Chiefs are just by far the the better team in this matchup. I think what we've seen though in the playoffs um, is that even though there are you know. Uh, big matches. We saw what the Dolphins could do um, and kind of make things close. I think I think the Jaguars are going to bring it, um, but I just think that in every part of the game, the Chiefs are just the better team. Uh, I think I think it's going to be a pretty high scoring game, even if the weather is pretty wild. Um, but I'm going to give the Chiefs um, the edge on this one, 35-26. I think last week Tyler had mentioned there's like a mat- the Niners Seahawks game was the most upset proof game there was. I think for this round, this is the most upset proof game there will be. Um, that I think the Chiefs will just absolutely blow out the Jaguars like tremendously. They shouldn't even become close. I mean, the fact of the matter is, Alex mentioned it was going to be raining. Who has a better run game right now? By just looking at the numbers, you're going to say, oh, the Jaguars. But you forget that halfway through the season, the Chiefs found their guy in Isaiah Pacheco. He's the type of guy that runs downhill 4.9 yards per carry. They're going to lean on that. And you just... Patrick Holmes can play in any weather. It doesn't matter. He has Travis Kelsey. He'll be fine. Uh, end of the day, I think Chiefs win 38 to 20. 
Moving on to our next matchup, we have the number three Bengals at the number two Bills. Bengals beat the Ravens 24 to 17. The Bengals started out really strong and were down nine to ten at halftime, but they came back to win it. You know, that's what that's what Joe Joe B does. Joe Shiesty, he does his thing. He does, he just makes magic happen. Ultimately, I, I think they were hurt by not having Lyle Collins because Joe Burrow wasn't safe in the pocket at any point in time. The Bills, on the other hand, they beat a depleted Dolphins team 34 to 31. They were up by 17 early in the second quarter, but the Dolphins came roaring back with Skylar Thompson. Very impressive, I know. Tyler, your thoughts? Yeah, this is a this is a tough matchup. This is kind of the matchup we've been kind of wanting, obviously. I think the one topic on everyone's mind is going to be the DeMar Hamlin kind of storyline. This was the matchup that um that that incident occurred and I think, you know, we're kind of having a, you know, quote unquote rematch of what was that week 16, I think. Um of, of that matchup and it was it was a highly anticipated matchup between these two teams and seeds and we're kind of getting it now here in the second round of, round of the playoffs um these are two i think fairly fairly evenly matched teams but that being said i think they both have shown kind of periods of inconsistency um so it's it's a toss-up i, I think this is probably going to be the closest and tightest game of this weekend you could really make cases for for, for either teams but i'm just going to go with the teams that i think has more weapons and just the team I think overall has had the best season and just has the best mojo going in. And for me, that's the Buffalo Bills. It's going to be a close one, but I got them winning 27-24. Yeah, this is going to be by far the best game of, this, of the weekend. I mean, there's not a better there's not a better game on the slate um, in terms of the matchup, in terms of the drama, in terms of, of the storylines. Uh, and, and, and just... In terms of the 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 these teams built from head to toe, I mean, two similar teams at the at the you know the passing offense position. I mean, it's I mean I know that there's definitely a difference in um in quarterback uh, at the quarterback position, but I think it's a lot tighter than than we give than we give Joe Burrow credit for. To be honest with you, I think Joe Burrow has a, has a great skill set, great ability. The thing that separates the Cincinnati uh, Cincinnati at least from uh, at least from a ranking perspective is the run game. And in a game that is cold up in up in Buffalo, uh, you have to be able to establish a, a run game. And and I don't, but uh, and I and I do believe that the the Buffalo Bills have a have a better def- defense against a pretty fairly weaker Cincinnati Bengals um, rushing uh, rushing game. Uh, Buffalo Buffalo seems to have improved their rushing uh, rushing game uh, through uh, Devin Singletary, but also they also have Josh Allen to, to take up a brunt, a brunt of the of the rushing yards so th- th- there's kind of a dual threat there that I think is enough to push the Buffalo Bills over the top for this game it's going to be dangerously close um, it's going to be a bit of a high scoring affair I think we're going to see a 34-31 game wow that's up there Alex your thoughts yeah I mean I kind of agree with what the boys have said like I think you know easily the best matchup or at least the one that's the most intriguing um two teams that feel very kind of even um I don't know if we would have really said that at the beginning of this season where you know the Bills were a, a, a Super Bowl favorite you know obviously the Bengals coming off the Super Bowl last year we weren't really sure what they would be like um I'm going to give the edge to the Bills I think the the quarterback play like Traden was mentioning is actually pretty pretty close um you know they obviously both have elite weapons um in the wide receiver category I think both their defenses are pretty good but right now the Bills O-line is just healthier than the Bengals O-line we saw that in the Super Bowl last year Aaron Donald just destroyed the Bengals O-line um and I think they're you know the the Bengals O-line is missing two or three of their starters or kind of banged up this week potentially could be missing it and the Bills O-line is still healthy and like the Josh Allen factor kind of 
then sways it in that direction for me. So I'm going to go 35, 31. Um, I still think it's a close game though. Wow. Everybody grab your popcorn. Cause it will be a close game. I have the bills winning 38 to 35, extremely pass heavy, a whole lot of offense. I can see Diggs, Davis, Chase, and Higgins all easily getting above 100 yards receiving. But like Trayden mentioned, I think it's the defense. The defense for the Bills is slightly better, actually a lot better, than the defense for the Bengals. And that's that's pretty much what it is. I mean, last game, granted they were playing against Skylar Thompson, but it's still a playoff game. Four sacks, 11 QB hits, and two interceptions. That's a mark of a good defense. It's playoff time. And as Alex had mentioned, the Bengals' offensive line is not as healthy as it should be. And they struggled in run blocking. They start struggled in pass blocking all year anyway. So, like, it's not a recipe for success. The defense of the Bills will dominate the, the defense for the Bengals. And that's going to be the deciding factor of the three points. Bengals win 38-35. Or Bills win 38-35. My bad. Moving on to the NFC, we have the number six fake Giants versus the number one Eagles. The Giants beat the Vikings 31-24. to and I know I talk time and time again about Daniel Jones being fake and the Giants being fake, hence the last episode called Fake. Um, but I think, you know, we got to give Daniel Jones some credit here. I think Eric was on the right track when he said Daniel Jones is a fantasy goat about three years ago. 17 <laughs> for 78 yards rushing. Josh Allen-esque, pro-esque. That's a very cool stat line. And he was also throwing the ball. He wasn't just dinking and dunking like he normally does. He was throwing downfield. He had 301 passing yards and two touch passing touchdowns. That's pretty cool for Daniel Jones in the playoffs. The Eagles, on the other hand, much like the Chiefs, had a week or a bye in the first week of playoffs. Finished 14 and three. They finished the season pretty shaky. That's because Jalen Hurts got hurt. <laughs> Hurts got hurt. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's just that they're a good team. They were number three in passing offense, number two in defense as a whole. Like this is a solid team all the way through. Trading, who's gonna win and why? Oh. Just because I, I have this weird, not hatred, but dislike for Philadelphia and their Eagles, and I really, and I really am gonna pull for the the, uh, the Giants here. There's absolutely no reason why the Philadelphia Eagles should lose this game. They they outclass the Giants in every single facet of the game except the running game by a hair, by a hair. And I think that's going to be the only thing that that New York is going to have to is going to be able to to lean on, because uh, the 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 defense the passing defense in, in Philly is is incredible. Uh, the uh, the passing game in Philly we've seen it it's it's fantastic. And Daniel Jones I don't trust him enough to be able to to, to beat that defense. It's just going to have to come down to perfect football and moving the chains at timely at, 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 at in uh, you know when it matters most managing the clock that's the only way you're going to be able to beat this philly team and i think that they can do it but it's going to be tight it's going to be uh i'm going to say 20 i don't know i'm going to say 21 to sorry my dogs are going crazy down here (laughs) uh 21 to 24 to 21 there we go wow that's a very close game wow okay alex do you agree or disagree Okay, wait, so Trey, you picked the Giants to win? Yep. Okay. <laughs> um I I like I'm very also 50-50 on this. Like the, uh, James, like you mentioned, the Eagles really struggled down the stretch. Obviously, Jalen Hurts was not there. And you know, these are both teams that have not really succeeded in the playoffs 
in the last, you know, three years or so. Um, you know, this is Jalen Hurts' first time in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I just, I like, I have this feeling the Eagles are going to fuck it up somehow. There's no like logical reasoning behind it. It's just like a, it's always the rest versus uh, like, you know, rest versus continue playing game or whatever we want to call it. I don't know why I'm going with the Giants. I don't like it. I don't have any reasoning behind it. I do think, you know, we, the Giants had to kind of scrap their way into the playoffs at the end here. We, you know, we, you talk about the Giants being fake. What about the Vikings being fake? That's the fakest team of all time. I'm going to go with the hot hand in the Giants. They looked great against the Vikes. I don't know what's going on in Philly. Tyler, I am so sorry, but I'm going, I'm going Giants. I'm going 28 17. Wow. That was, wow. Um, that's a pretty oh, handy. Oh, wow. Both of you guys. That's incredible. I really want to go against the Eagles too, because you know, that's just <laughs> kind of the popular thing to do, but I'm not gonna, I'm going to be different. I think the Eagles went 24 to 10 reason being, I think the Eagles will benefit from this rest. They were banged up towards the end of season. Jalen hurts is another week to get healthy. And I know that Jalen hurts hasn't been a playoff quarterback before, but honestly, the game that he plays right now is the same game he's playing in college. Nothing in his game has changed. He's still a dual threat quarterback. And now he has a bona fide wide receiver one. And he has two wide receivers that went over a thousand yards. Devontae Smith had uh like almost twelve hundred, and I think AJ Brown almost had fifteen hundred. Like he's got great receivers on that end. And I think the Eagles defense is gonna show up big right now. I mentioned earlier how Daniel Jones was really good at rushing. And typically rushing quarterbacks are hard to defend, but the Eagles defense has seen that every single week when they play Jalen Hurts in practice, they're going to be ready for that. They can can shut that down. And then you're going to have to rely on Daniel Jones to not dink and dunk again against a passing defense. That's incredible. Number one in the league. It shouldn't be close in my book. I still think that the giants are fake. So I got 24 to 10 Eagles. Moving on to the next matchup, because Tyler does not get an opinion on this because he's what? a fake fan. I'm just kidding. Tyler, what are your thoughts? <laughs> they brutal. Well, you guys all know where my heart lies and, and, and where I'm going to sway here. So, you know, Eagles are going to win this game. Um, you know, I understand the reasons why people are picking the Giants. Like, you know, they got a lot of momentum. Daniel Jones is playing very well right now. The Eagles, you know, have, you know, down the stretch did not play as well. But as James mentioned, they were very banged up, but they got a whole week to get healthy. I think Hertz is going to be great. Uh, getting their um, um, offensive lineman, uh, Lane Johnson, back is going to be huge for them as well. That That's going to be a huge key. But I really think the the the, the big difference between these two teams is the defense. Uh, the Eagles defense, as, as James mentioned to you, is just way better. Um, and I think that's going to be the difference. I think that they can that, – that they can um, – you know, kind of shake off the rust a little bit offensively and and, and kind of, you know, get, get through that. But I think the defense is really going to make the difference in this game. Um, I do think it's going to be close because I, I do think the Giants, you know, it's an interdivision rivalry. The Giants are going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I think they're going to come in there and they're going to they're, they're show up and play. So I, I do think it's going to be a close game, but I just think that Philly is just the overall better team. Um, I, I think it's going to be a little bit uh, more high scoring than, than you guys have. I got the Eagles taking this one 31 to 27. Wow. Yeah. You were just talking about how great the defense was, and you ended up with a high-scoring game. Sounds a little counterintuitive, I tell her. Don't anyway, plays on defense. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I have a question for James. If, if the New York football giants beat the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend, will you come on this podcast 
and say that the Giants are not a fake football team? Nope. Reason <laughs> being is because the Eagles are great. Everybody thinks the Eagles had a very easy schedule this season. So should they be the number one seed? I don't know. They played well in the games they're supposed to play well in because they were supposed to beat the majority of those teams anyway. So if they come in in their first playoff game and lose, it's like, oh, it's because they had an easy schedule. What I do want them to see is beat the Niners in the next round. If they do that, then yes, I will say I was wrong. Wow. Translation, the Philadelphia Eagles are the third fake team in the NFC, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. There it is. So many fake teams. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to our last matchup in the NFC. Number five, Cowboys at number two, 49ers. Cowboys handily beat the Bucks last night. Wasn't even close. It was 31 to 14. Tom Brady had a pretty terrible game. His stat line shows differently, but he also attempted 66 passes and completed 35 of them, I believe. While Dak, on the other hand, attempted just 35 passes. What does that tell you? Um, the 49ers beat the Seahawks by blowout, 41 to 23. They started off slow, but like I had mentioned in the intro, they were losing at half but they really picked it up in the second half because if you take away the last Seahawks touchdown drive with three minutes left in the game, when the Niners were up um, 17 to 41, the 49er defense only allowed 58 yards after halftime total. Tyler, who's going to win and why? It's going to be a great matchup, you know, kind of a classic playoff rivalry between the Cowboys and 49ers. It's going to have a lot of nostalgia for those old time fans. Um, uh, but it, it's I, I think it's going to be a really good, close, hard-fought game. Um, I think, you know, the, the Cowboys had a lot of questions going into last week, but I think that they shut up a lot of the haters um, with with that dominant performance against the Bucks. Obviously, the 49ers, we, we've all talked about it, how much they've been just this dominant team for, for months now. Uh, Brock Purdy looks like... A, free, a freaking gift from God for you guys. I mean, he, he he's playing absolutely incredible. The defense is absolutely incredible. Um, but I think the Cowboys, when they're clicking on all cylinders, can hang with anyone. I think it's going to be a really good, close, hard-fought dogfight of a game. But I do have the Niners coming out on top 24-20. to 20. Alex, do you agree or disagree? All right. I'm having a really tough time with this one because I really despise both of these teams. <laughs> um, but... I've already picked the Giants to beat the Eagles, which makes Tyler sad. So I really (laughs) want to pick the Cowboys to beat the Niners to make James sad. Because, like, that's funny. (laughs) I would also like to point out, these are the teams that Brock Purdy has beaten. The Bucs shouldn't have been in the playoffs. They're terrible. The Seahawks, terrible. The Commanders, terrible. The Raiders, terrible. The Cardinals, terrible. I, he's been amazing, no doubt, but this is easily the best defense and the best team he's had to face. There's no doubt about that. I'm going to go Cowboys 24-21 Maher game-winning field goal. Oh, God. What yeah, a Okay. I already know you're bullshitting now. <laughs> Boom. You know you what John Lynch should do? Honestly, John Lynch should go find – the five best kickers that are free agents right now and send yeah. them all the practice squad. Just the <laughs> same do. thing we do in waivers, you know, for fantasy football. Just do that. To Plus, be honest, like, I do think this Cowboys defense has really shown up. And, like, it's something we've talked about with the Cowboys for, like, the last couple of years. Like, their offense was really good. Their defense was really suspect. Micah Parsons is a star. Like, we saw him really just kind of take over that defense. And I think that they are, like, a more complete team they could also lose by 30. Like, 
you just I, you just have no idea. Like the Cowboys are either elite, they look like one of the best teams in the NFC, or they look like they shouldn't be in the playoffs. I'm gonna go. You know, they rode. You know, they beat Brady. Obviously, the Bucks are not the same as they were the last couple of years, but I'm gonna go Cowboys by three. Um, I don't. Yeah, it's. I think it's. That's this one's tough to pick. Trading your thoughts. Yeah. So this one, this one is is one of the more interesting matchups, I think, as well. Uh, I, I think. I think to to Alex's point, I think this is Brock Purdy's biggest uh, or hardest competition yet. The nice thing I, I I like to see that he has ramped up. I mean, I'm not saying that those teams were in progression in terms of in terms of skill and and uh, you know or whatever, but he he's been able he's he's had some he's had to fight some adversity within the game and he's actually overcome it. We saw that last we saw that last week. He's kind of settled down. He can't he he is controlling that offense. He's controlling this team. And that is that's huge for him. This game's going to be won at the line, I think. And I just think that the line for the the Niners on both ends is just is just an all around better line. Uh, the, 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 the 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 defense, you know, the the, the defensive line, the the the, uh, the running or the rushing defense with uh, it, on the San Francisco side is just it can't be beaten. It just can't be beaten. I'm sorry. You you will not be able to run this over this team. It's impossible. So you have to do it by the air. And and San Francisco has managed to to figure it out um, at the secondary side too. In terms of the running game, offensively, San Francisco is is through and through the better team. All the way through, they have they have Christian McCaffrey who's come who's who's come at a bad out of, uh, come like a bat out of hell since he got there. You're, he's backed up by Elijah Mitchell, who is a very solid running back, and you also have the tri- the the dual threat in Debo Samuel. This team has so many weapons; they're clicking on all cylinders. Uh, you have Nick Bosa. It's just I, I can't imagine a scenario how the San Francisco loses at home against the against the Dallas Cowboys. Even though Dallas is looking very good right now, I will admit that I just don't see it happening. And I said this from the get from the get go. I don't think that the Niners can be beaten at home. I don't. And the at, ultimately, it's gonna. Uh, and ultimately, this is a home game for the Niners. And uh, I, I think we're gonna see a thirty-one to twenty-seven game. That's pretty close. I understand. But I, I just, I just, I just can't see it. Given every bit, it, 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 like I said, it's gonna be, it's gonna be one at the line. And I just think the line on both sides for the Niners is by and by and far the the better, the better side. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, I just want to speak to Alex's point real fast about the opponents that Brock Purdy has faced. Right? Yeah, he's right. He hasn't played very, very many good teams, but he just. You saw it on national television in the playoffs. He had his worst game of his pro career thus far. And yet the Niners still won 41 to 17. Or 41 to 23, whatever it is. The Kyle Shanahan offense and the fact that he has that many playmakers around him means he can be that dink and dunk quarterback. Means he can throw it short and expect Debo and Brandon Ayuk and CMC to just run after catch. That's the way this offense is predicated. He doesn't have to have the best game in the world. He just has to be a tad bit better than Jimmy. Because last year, Jimmy beat them with a torn shoulder. He beat the Cowboys with a torn shoulder, and people were not healthy. Now they're way more healthy. The Niners are better than they were last year. The Cowboys may be better than they were last year. Zeke ain't the same dude. Tony Pollard's a little bit better, but CMC is better than Tony Pollard. Everything's pointing in the Niners' direction. It's a home game. I have the Niners winning 31-17. to That concludes my segment, everybody. Bang, bang, Niner gang. <laughs> 
Love it, James. Uh, we're looking forward to another exciting week of NFL playoff football. It's one of my favorite times of the year. I I love uh, NFL playoffs. So hopefully uh, we'll kind of see where we're at. Seems like the AFC, we're all on the same page. The NFC, we're all over the map. So uh, we'll see who was right and who was wrong next week. But hopefully you guys enjoy some NFL football this weekend. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we got some hockey talk with Traden. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking hockey with Traden, more specifically the Pacific Northwest of hockey. Uh, Traden, what do we got this week? Yeah, we are going to be going to be limited to the Pacific Northwest. We have two teams there that are on two completely different sides of the spectrum, and and we'll get to that. First of all, I meant to do this last week, and I forgot. Uh, maybe because Alex's beautiful face wasn't here, I just forgot a lot of things. So, Alex, thank you for coming back and reminding me that we need to talk about fantasy. Because Alex, you're you've won ten in a row. <laughs> you are twelve Dang. and two. You've done. You've had an absolute torrid start to the season. Um, I had my. I had a first loss in a little while, so I, I am nine and five. I'm third there. Uh, James, you had another loss. You're six and eight. Tough, tough, tough. The top four teams are the only teams that have a five hundred record. And then you got Tyler all the way down there at five and nine. Yeah, with a win last. Time. Good job, buddy. Let's go. Good job. I, I'm fiance. proud of you. I'm proud of you. Uh, Alex, you have a 99% chance of making the playoffs and it's halfway through the season. So congrats. <laughs> Dude, he's fulfilling his New Year's resolution to a T. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, we're uh, quickly, uh, uh, as it pertains to the in-season Stanley Cup, uh, we had an interesting little um, little bit last couple weeks. Um, it's kind of traded hands, you know, th- through a bunch of different teams. It had a nice, uh, nice run with Philly. I didn't think Philly would be able to make it through two Washington Capitals games. And they did. And so I, I earned a few points there and I'm only five behind James. Um, that's not including tonight's uh, Boston doesn't even play. So James, you'll get another one. So you'll be fine. We're chipping away at Alex. I mean, just, just, just chipping, just chipping, except Tyler, you have six days. <laughs> I mean, I remember when I was a laughing stock and now I'm just six, six days away from, uh, from tying James, which is nice. So uh, I'm so sorry, Tyler, you just need one of your teams to go on a run. Yeah, I know. It does. I know it does. Stupid ass game. Um, just for just for reference, the the Boston Bruins um, hold it right now. After that, uh, was that six to zero win against the Flyers, um, and they play the Islanders. Uh, and the Islanders are yours, Tyler. So yeah, Boston right. doesn't lose go, except when I mean I, I guess they did lose to the Kraken, which was crazy last week. Which brings me to where we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about the Seattle Kraken, guys. Uh, the Seattle Kraken their season that they've had is just absolutely amazing. I think, I think I saw the stat they're playing the others right now. They started four, four and two in the first, uh, what is that? Uh, 10 games of the season. And they've been on an absolute tear 22 wins. Um, and only, I believe only a handful of losses. Uh, yeah, not, not too, not too, too many. They're 26, 13 and four. The most interesting thing about the two most interesting things about the Seattle Kraken is they are a top team five on five. They have the most, they have they are second or I believe they're second or first depending on which day you uh, you looked at the stats in five on five goals they have been absolutely incredible five on five um, and and if you know anything about what I talk about these teams um, that means a lot to me um, the game is one five on five and second if you guys look at the schedule for the Seattle Kraken in the first month uh, in the first month of the new year uh, they were supposed they're supposed to well they're 
that nine games through now uh played four three week three weeks straight of four game slates which is absolutely a crazy uh, crazy uh uh schedule 12 games in, th- in three weeks is, is absolutely horrendous and this and and i think everybody c- could have looked at that schedule and said okay this is what breaks the this is what sinks the kraken i mean this is what slays the kraken and holy fuck they go on an eight game winning streak to start the start the season they lose to Tampa Bay yesterday. I mean, do I mean you can't really you know blame them for that? And they're and they're putting up a good fight against the Edmonton Oilers right now. Just an absolute amazing season. Tyler, what 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 can you say about this team? Like, what do you think the the re, the recipe for their success has been? Yeah, I don't Tyler exactly know how they figured this out, but they have. Um, and I talked a lot of, sh- not a lot of shit, but you know, last week we did our predictions of who will make the playoffs and who won't. And I didn't have the Kraken in there. Um, and that have may have been a terrible mistake on my end. <laughs> um, clearly they have figured things out. Um, look, they're they, in, in the Pacific division, they are second to the Oilers in, in goals for, they are second to the Knights in goals against overall. They have the best goal differential in the Pacific. As we sit today, they're only two points out a first place from Vegas with two games in hand uh, against Vegas. So there's a really good chance that the Seattle Kraken might win the goddamn division. And I'm going to look like a fucking idiot, which is <laughs> hilarious for everyone else in this podcast. So um, yeah, uh, they've just been able to score more goals. I think, you know, last year, I think they finished what was like 28th in the league in scoring this year. I think they're, they're definitely in the top 10, if not the top five, I believe in scoring. Um, they're up there. Um, and especially in, in, in this last, uh, streak of games, they, they've been scoring like crazy. I think they're like, I, I saw it on an article. I think they're like averaging four and a half goals a game or something crazy like that during this, uh, this, uh, stretch of, of games that they've been winning. So really that's what it is. They, they, they went out, they got goal scoring They're They're, they're getting tons of, 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 of points from a lot of different guys. And for me, that that's the, that's the difference. I think in this, in this day and age where scoring is, 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 is a huge part of it. That's what they're doing well, and they're doing it like extreme. I obviously they won't probably keep the same pace, um, but I think they've they've certainly changed my mind about how I feel about the Seattle Kraken and their season. Um, I I think I don't I don't know if they'll win the division, but um, to me I think they've convinced me that they're a playoff team for sure. Well, uh, to make matters worse, uh, they just re they just uh, it's tankathon.com. They kind of gather all of the the schedule of games that uh that each team has and they have Seattle as the third easiest schedule remaining. Um, of those games they have two games against the Ducks, two against uh, Columbus, three against Arizona, two against the Sharks and two against Can- the Vancouver Canucks. Woof, those are those are winnable games. Um and only a handful of of really tough games, you know, you have Dallas, you got uh Tor- Toronto and Boston again. Um Alex what interesting what's interesting about this team not only is the five on five you know scoring and, and the fact that they actually are the top like they have a shooting percentage five on five higher than we've ever seen ever there's no one better than them in terms of their shooting percentage and and what's interesting is not a single player on the team has a point per game it's getting done all the way through the lineup though do you worry about the seattle's ability to maintain that shooting percentage if they don't have that type of game breaker on their team um, I mean, obviously like they're at a historic, a historic pace with that. So like, it's probably not going to keep up for the remainder of the season, but generally look at teams that are very top heavy cough, cough, the Edmonton Oilers, and <laughs> you don't have the depth. You don't perform well. 
And right now, Seattle is getting contribution up and down the lineup. They have the potential Calder Trophy winner and Matty Beneers. You know, they've had great, um, you know, great play from veterans like Burakowski and Everly. So, like, right now, like, I don't see why there's any reason why we should be doubting what they're doing. Um, they've been keeping it up all season. And, like, kind of looking at the West, you know, where you're talking about, obviously, I missed last week. We were talking about, or you guys were talking about, if, you know, who's going to make the playoffs. Like, do we really have any faith? no bias aside that either one of these Alberta teams can really figure it out. Cause they've been eh, all year. And then like with the central, we all thought like, okay, Colorado is going to be a juggernaut again. St. Louis and Nashville look good. All those teams have been kind of like, eh. so like, even if Calgary or Edmonton go on a run and get into that top three or, you know, Vegas or LA starts to falter or whatever, like, I just don't think there's, four or five other teams that are better than what Seattle's playing right now. And like we and the NHL community like ripped Seattle for what they did in their first season and like who they picked from certain teams, guys, we might've all been wrong. Like they've seemed to have figured it out. Um, so yeah, like the shooting percentage, you know, who knows if they keep that up, but like, you know, generally like shoot pucks on the net, good things happen. That's like a, phrase people say so yeah keep going seattle it is a phrase people say indeed um james goalie guy that's one blemish that this team has they are not very good between the pipes uh, martin jones is an 895 save percentage group of hours an 888 and then joey decord who has played one game has a 90 which probably he probably will play maybe one or two more games depending on how uh, you know martin jones and group are you know ailing at that time you know if there's an injury or something how concerned are you about that? Typically, I'd be very concerned because I'm a big defensive guy. I love defense in pretty much every single sport. And I always talk about how your offense can't outshoot or outscore your defense. But in this case, it's happening very well, extremely well. Let's just take the last eight games, the last eight game win streak as a sample size here because I didn't put the last one against Lightning on there. 36 goals scored and 16 goals against. If you can score 20 more goals than you let in, you're probably going to win. Like, to be honest with you, they're outscoring the deficiencies. And like Alex has said, because they're not top-heavy, if somebody isn't performing, somebody else can just step in and take that load, and you're just going to keep on rolling right through. It's not dependent on two or three-star players. It's dependent on the team. It's a team sport, and they're playing it very well. Maddie B doing great. When they took Yanni Gore from the Lightning, you were like, I think he's going to be the best guy on the team. And surprise, surprise, he's a leader. He's doing great, too. He may not be in the very top echelon of scoring for their team, but he's putting up numbers. Borakowski's doing numbers, too. It's like they're scoring up and down this lineup. You don't have to rely on one person. If that's the case, you don't. if somebody doesn't play very well, it's okay. You'll still score. And if you can score, you can outshoot the defense and your goaltending. And that's what's happening. So typically, yes, I'd be concerned, but in this case, I am not. Well, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think you're bang on in that, you know, this team is clearly outscoring their problems. But if you actually look at the stats, it's not, it's not again, it's not the five on five that's the problem. Their five on five save percentage is a nine twenty one. It's all their PK. Their PK is a putrid sixty nine percent, worse than the league. So that that doesn't bode well for you from for, from a goaltender save percentage. But as you mentioned. They're 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 filling the net when it matters most on five on that five on five play and 
this is a team that I think that we all in the Pacific as, as Pacific division fans need to, you know, need to, you know, be wary of, this is a team that has a lot to prove that has a chip on their shoulder, as you guys mentioned. And they, they're, they're made just like the Vegas golden Knights at one point, they're made up of a bunch of misfits and, and they're finding their place quickly, quickly. Now they weren't built quite as, you know, aggressively as the golden Knights were, but these guys are stepping up when it matters most. They're taking advantage of, of, you know, huge plays by, uh, you know, by guys that we wouldn't otherwise, um, you know, think are, are game breakers. Daniel Sprung, for example, he's, he's a guy that is a, is a, a perennial bottom six guy and he's scoring goals regularly. That means something. So, um, everybody should be worried about the Seattle Kraken, especially if you're in the Pacific division. Um, this is a team that I think is going to be a hard team to play against the rest of the season. And they're going to be looking for that top spot because Vegas is, is faltering a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I like, I like, I like, play, but they, you know, they, they have inconsistencies at net too. And I just don't know if they're sc- outscoring at the same rate as, as Seattle. So that's a problem too. So, um, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, how Seattle fares for the rest of the season, but just north of the border, the Vancouver Canucks are in a completely different situation. the The Vancouver Canucks are in a tailspin, and they have been from the get from the beginning of the season. And um, it seems like it just hit; it's almost hitting a crescendo now. Uh, yesterday, uh, uh, yesterday, the GM uh, uh, Jim Rutherford had a had a very long press conference that pretty much just addressed a bunch of different you know issues. Basically saying they're going to be retooling on the fly, uh, you know that that they're going to be looking for 26, 27 year olds to fill the void and and get this team back back in contention quickly. Doing the exact opposite of what we're seeing in, in Anaheim, exact opposite of what we saw in LA, and exact opposite that we're seeing in San Jose, um, and doing the same thing they've been doing for the past you know eleven years. Um, and it, it seems like players are having issues with with uh, treatment on the healthcare side. Uh, in terms of injuries. Um, so James, I want to ask you, I mean, I, just a, a, overall, um, what are your feelings about the Vancouver Canucks and how do you see things shaking out the rest of the season in terms of, you know, should they, should, what would you do? Would you tank? Should they, should they be focused on retooling on the fly? Or do you think this team is, is it, this team and fan base is in it, is it deserves to be looked at and said, you guys need to take it down to the fucking studs. Well, I think the way they're going about this is wrong. Um, unless you can find a superstar and put them on your team and surround them with role players, retooling on the fly doesn't necessarily work ever. Like you said, with the Lakers, they won the Disney championship because they retooled on the flag and they had LeBron. But then the years after that, they are struggling hardcore. Um, retooling on the fly never really works. And I honestly think they should do the things that Anaheim does, right? I don't think you should necessarily tank right now because you – I don't know how close they are to being terrible, terrible, like Ducks-level terrible. Uh, but at, the Ducks are so far behind at this point that there's no way they're going to get Connor Bedard. And if that's what you want, you're not going to get that right now. Um, but you got to figure out a way to have long-term success instead of putting a Band-Aid over a bullet hole, trading, because that's <laughs> not going to help right now. They, they honestly, they should have fired Boudreaux a long time ago, man. The team started 0-7. 
and like it got a little bit better, but then they're losing again. Why are they? Why did they wait this long to break it up? Boudreaux should have been gone in the first ten games. I don't care if you won the eighth game; you still lost seven in a row, bro. From the get go, you ain't that good no more. The team is not responding to you anymore. They need a new voice, and they gotta they gotta break it up and gotta get younger players to respond to this new voice well and can grow together in a new culture. You gotta break it down to the studs at this point. You're doing the same thing you've been doing for the last 11, 12, 13 years. Clearly, it's not working. Try something down. Yeah, you bring up the the coaching situation, and I'm a huge Bruce Boudreau guy. I I love Bruce Boudreau, and I and it, I'll be the first to say that what the Vancouver Canucks have done to him is kind of cruel in, in a sense. I mean, they they have openly said that he's not their coach. He's he's not going to be the coach of the future, but yet is stringing him along. And it seems like um, Rick Tockett has been has had meetings, and it seems like Rick Tockett is looking at, as a potential uh, you know new coach to step in. So, Alex, I want to ask you. Do you have a problem with with how Vancouver has kind of strung Bruce Boudreaux along this whole time? And what are your feelings about Rick Tockett taking? I don't know if you know uh, not much about his history, but he's you know he's he's had some success at every single level except the NHL in terms of championship. Do you think that you know this will be Jim Mutherford's first guy, you know, first actual guy? What are your thoughts overall about the coaching situation? Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, months ago around Thanksgiving, you asked us, is Boudreaux going to make it through the week? And now we're midway through January and he's still there. So like, I don't know. The Canucks, they are in this weird angels situation where like you have really good players and can't figure it out. Um so yeah, it's kind of it's kind of messed up like what they're doing to Boudreaux, especially because like, you know, he's a lifetime hockey guy. Like he's he's been around. Like they should probably treat him a little bit better. Um, but we've seen this in other sports too. Like when the Raptors fired Dwayne Casey after he won Coach of the Year. Like sometimes just none of it makes sense. And especially when like a new GM or a new owner takes over. Like like you said, sometimes they just want their guy, and they use the the other coach or the other GM sometimes, or whomever it may be as like the fall guy. Um, like the, the Canucks, you know, looking through their, like their roster, like they should be better than what they are. So yeah, maybe James is right where it's time to let Boudreaux go and you just need a new voice. Unfortunately, you're like 13 points out of a playoff spot. Like you're not making that up at this point in the season. Um, I I do think they need to they need to pick a lane and go for it. Like either you keep your guys. I don't know. I don't know what their cap situation is like, but I feel like you either got to you got to keep your guys and try to go for it. And like their GM mentioned, um, I saw part of that interview. He's like, yeah, this is the year you'd want to be number one overall pick. Well, like you're not there either. Like you didn't pick you didn't pick one. Like either tank for Bedard and hope the lottery goes your way. Or do something else. Like you, you fucked up. You, you did wrong. So like, either start selling off anyone that has any value, or stick it out. What What's so interesting about this draft is it's probably the deepest draft we'll, we'll see. It, it could be in history, but at least in modern history. I mean, this is a deep draft. Some Some have argued that a second round pick is more valuable than a first round pick next year. 
That's how deep this draft is because th- these guys are a little bit older and they missed and, and they're over that COVID hump and the, and they, and, and things have kind of restructured from that shitty ass draft last year. This is a draft that it, even if you didn't get Connor Bedard, you are still in good position to have a very good player all the way through the second round. And it, it just, it just is interesting that, that they're not taking that, uh, you know, approach. Um, the ducks have a, a in plethora of fucking picks this draft and they are going to be set up for the fucking future and vancouver is going to be way behind and the problem with it is in to your point alex and and before i get to you tyler and get your thoughts they're trying to they're trying to compete with the oilers the 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 calgary flames the vegas golden knights the uh, uh and the kings in real time, but they're not realizing that the Ducks are on their way, that the the San Jose Sharks will eventually be on their way because they're doing this right. And, and all of that's going to come to fruition and they're going to be like, well, what the fuck do we do now? Um, Tyler, it seems like Pedersen is their only is the only, you know, safe guy. But it but I it's kind of hard to believe that um, that um, Quinn Hughes would be would go anywhere. Um, Brock Besser signed for a while and they just signed. Uh, what's his name? They just signed. um uh, JT Miller, uh, and but Bo Horvat kind of sits without a contract. What would you do in this situation for the Vancouver Canucks? You know, man, it, it's tough. I think I feel like we've had the same conversation about the Vancouver Canucks for like the last three years. It, it's just a, a teams that uh, this team that should be way better than it's just not. And I don't know. I feel like third year around, it's not working. Maybe it's just time to move on. Um, I think I think that they should probably start to rebuild. Like you said, there's just the Pacific Division, as it's currently structured, there's so many teams better than them. And as you said, in the future, there's probably going to be a lot more teams better than them. I don't really see the Canucks being contenders in that division anytime soon um, with, with, with how it's restructured. So and I, I think the fan base you know, is probably frustrated with this too, where it's like, yeah, they're trying to be competitive, but they're not even close to that. you know. And you're, you're in the situation where, you know, in – where, like I said, there, there, there's a lot of really good draft picks that are available, you know, why not go for it, you know, and, and, and try to cash in on that uh, rich draft um, field. Um, that just seems to me like the smart move, because I really don't think that trying to add at this point is really going to help you out. Like at best, you might make a slight run and make, make some people raise their eyebrows, but I really don't think that they are a playoff team this year. Even if you add some pieces, like, you know, their, their, their goaltending is terrible, but even if they get a goaltender, like their depth, like it's just not great. They're just, they can't find an identity. Like they, they, they need to find that identity. They, they need to come together and say, okay, we need to scrap this or we need to go for it and, 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 and find a, a direction as kind of like what, what um, Alex was saying. Like, I think the fan base is sick of it. They're, 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 they're sick of this teeter totter, you know, kind of approach. In my opinion, they should just, they need to, they need to retool. They just need to scrap from the bottom, sell as much as you can and try and get as much draft picks as you can um, and just try and go from there and maybe be part of the, you know, fresh wave, you know, kind of joining the ducks and the sharks that, you know, maybe in two or three, four years, you'll be kind of in that position because I think if they don't, they're going to be just at the bottom for, for forever at this point. I don't even know. Yeah. The, the, there's nothing worse than being too good. There's nothing. There's nothing worse than being not good enough to make the playoffs, but too good to miss out on a top pick, and that's where they are. That I'd much rather be where the Ducks are than I'd rather be where the Vancouver Canucks are. I know it's tough now, James, but 
at least you have a future and there's no future in Vancouver. Uh, the biggest, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the $8 million elephant in, in the room is uh Bo Horvat that clearly they're not going to be coming to terms with their captain, which is a bizarre to me because he's having a tremendous season. He's on pace for a career high 57 goals. Clearly is an $8 million player, but they just cannot go past JT Miller's 57, 57 million total, which JT Miller is doing shit now. So, um, just going around the horn, where does Horvat go, James? Canes, hands down. Easy. They need scoring. Easy. I, I love that pick, and I would not be surprised. Alex, what do you got there? Oh, I like that. Yeah, Canes. I like that a lot. Ty? Canes are good, too, but uh, maybe the Kings will go for it. They, 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 they need that, like, that guy that can just fucking put up points. I think, you know, they're scoring. They don't have like that point per game guy. As you said, uh, Kevin Fiala is their best, which he was having a great year, but he's no bore. He, he's no bow. So the, the thing is, I, I don't want uh, Horvat will, will want to go to where he can be signed. Maybe he wants to go as a rental and maybe the, maybe LA Kings just roll the dice on a rental and, and kind of see what they can do. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in Vancouver. I, I am, I would, I would guess that, uh, you know, Boudreaux is not going to see the end of the season. It's just a matter of when Rick Tockett being a coach, I think it was huge for them. Um, but they need, they need to really, for their fan base, they need to do things right. And they're just not doing that. So, um, I feel for you Vancouver fans. I really do. I know what it's like to be in that limbo position. So, um, and to, to an extent, the others still kind of are. So, um, and that's all I got, Tyler. I appreciate you guys, uh, listening. All right. Thanks trading. Uh, pleasure as always. Uh, we are going to take our last break of the pod. When we come back, we'll have our NBA talk back with Alex. Welcome back, everybody. We got our final segment of the podcast for you today. We're talking NBA basketball with your boy, Alex. Take it away. Thank you, Ty Ty. Um, yeah, so kind of like what Trade mentioned with hockey, obviously basketball and hockey kind of go roughly along the same timeline. Um, but we're about halfway through the regular season here. So, um, you know, kind of like what Trade talked about last week. I want to see what the boys think about a team that's not currently in a playoff spot, whether they want to decide whether that's the play-in tournament spot or not. That's up to them because the play-in tournament is stupid and it, like, Anyway, the NBA pretty much says, like, if you're in that 7 through 10 seed, you're not a playoff team until you've won into the playoffs. It's dumb. So, like, I'm just going to let the boys pick because it's a stupid, stupid thing. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, James, we'll start with you. East or West, or if you have one from both, that works as well. Uh, a team, what team, you know, is kind of on down on the luck right now, I guess, and you think can make a run into the playoffs? Uh, come to the end of the uh, I think the way you phrased that last part of the question, down to their luck, is kind of the key that I'm going to run with from this point. And I'm going to go with the West team. I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors. They're currently number seven seed, 522 and 22. They had a rough stretch of bad luck because, A, Clay Thompson's coming back and was trying to be him but wasn't quite him. B, Steph Curry got hurt. C, they have a lot of drama with James Wiseman and Kuminga. And Draymond and Jay Poole. So a lot a lot to digest in that little segment there. But Steph Curry's coming back. Steph Curry's healthy. Steph Curry's playing. Uh, Clay Thompson has seemed to find his groove without Steph Curry and has reintegrated himself within the offense. 
the rookies are or the not rookies, but the young guys are still the young guys, but they're producing at a little better rate. And Jay Poole and Draymond have squashed their beef and are homies now. Put all that together, and you have a contending team. You can't not contend when Steph Curry is healthy and playing and putting all the pieces together and finally winning on the road because they don't win on the road very often at all. But if they can get that to happen, you're looking at a team that's going to jump from the sixth seed to a top five seed. Right. <laughs> wow. Wow, James, what a boring pick, the team that won the championship last year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Traden, Traden, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, that was are – we, are we sticking to the West here? You can whichever whichever team. It's it's tough. I mean, the Warriors are, are would have been my pick, but I didn't want to. Well, James did it, so <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to be boring. Um, looking at the standings, I'm shocked that the Suns are not in it. Maybe I'm missing something, but I thought the Suns were supposed to be good. Did I miss that? I missed the memo. Or I mean, or... did talk mad shit about the Suns during the previews because we just had no faith that they would figure it out. And That's true. I feel yeah, like we yeah. nailed it, guys. Like we're doing. Good. We did. <laughs> yeah. you, you know. You know. The Lakers. I, I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna talk about the Lakers because I think that the Lakers are an interesting team. Why? Because they they go through these terrible stretches. And and on my athletic um, emails, I get little uh, from or emails from the athletic. I get like the headlines saying, "Oh, LeBron's fed up," and and the the Lakers are are shit. And then and then they go on these like three game runs. And then James is like, "I'm so fucking excited about the Lakers." And then they turn around and fucking lose another like five. But honestly, I think the Lakers are gonna do something. If they can, I don't know if they have the space, but I think that they're going to be as aggressive as possible to just get into the 11th spot. And they're going to make a move that just it, it is kind of like a Hail Mary pass at the end of a at the end of a season where, you know, you're you're, you're on the 50 yard line. You're just trying to throw and, and win the game or, or tie the game. And, and the Lakers are going to do that. And I think it's actually going to hit and we could see them sneak into the 10th spot. I know that sounds crazy, but they're only a game and a half behind. So it's not that crazy. Um, I don't know who that, what that means in terms of who falls out. The trailblazers seem to be kind of, you know, walking through mud along with the jazz and the Timberwolves. All those teams right there are all, you know, below 500, which is ridiculous because I don't understand why three teams have even a chance at playoffs or two teams, two of those teams have a chance at playoffs with they have losing records. I know the Jazz do too, but at least they're the eighth seed. Um, so I'm gonna say that the Lakers find a find a find a trade partner. They're gonna find a they're gonna do a move and they're gonna find a way to get into that 10th spot because LeBron will do LeBron things. Oh, trading. Oh, the Lakers. I feel the exact same way. They get three wins or four wins in a row, and you're like, here they come, baby. And then the refs screw them over and they lose two games by like one possession or an overtime. And you're like, yeah, that's about right. And then they barely beat the Rockets. And you're all like, okay. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I, I feel that like in my core, I'm like, God, dude, the Lakers should be so much better, but they're just not. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of them. Uh, Tyler, uh, I hope the Lakers weren't your pick. Unfortunately, they were my pick, and I don't have a second one. <laughs> and I don't have a second one, so that's that's what I'm going to do. Let's we'll talk about the Lakers, but I'm going to use an, uh, a, a metaphor here. I think have, has, has everyone seen the movie Top Gun Maverick? Yes. Nope. Well, Whoa. Okay. I'm gonna Damn, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a metaphor here. Whoa. And Alex, you're gonna watch this movie, and then you're gonna be like, Ah, the Lakers. Okay. The Lakers <laughs> are like this the scene from Top Gun Maverick 
where uh the Tom Cruise guy, the Tom Cruise character, and I can't remember the name of the other actor, um, they Not steal telling. they steal this old uh F14 Tomcat and it's old and banged up. It works just enough. And they have to take off on this shitty ass runway that's like impossible and they barely make it and a wheel falls off on, along the way, but they survive and they get there. It's shitty. It's ugly, but they make it happen. That's what the Lakers are this year. The Lakers are the the, the Tomcat fighter from Top Gun Maverick. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Hey. I'm going to go a different direction. Um, I'm going to pick two teams, but I'm going to go over them very quickly. And I, I think I'm going to do this in a, kind of a weird way. I think the Oklahoma City Thunder will make the play-in tournament. And I feel like for them, that's a win on the season. Mm-hmm. I I don't know why, but like SGA is going off. He's They have stolen that trade from the Clippers. Um, I don't know if everyone's kind of seen this or paid attention, but like SGA currently has scored more points than Paul George and Kawhi Leonard put together. He's rated higher in 2K. He's having an incredible season. (laughs) OKC like can squeak into the play-in. That is a win for the franchise that went from for a full rebuild. Um, And like we talked about Utah at the beginning of the season. We were like, this team is going to be terrible. They're eventually going to trade everybody. They haven't really done that yet. They're starting to falter. Um, trading you mentioned the trailblazers they are just kind of falling apart um you know like it the west is kind of crazy right now so i think okc has a chance to squeak in to the play-in and for them that's a win in the east i kind of want to pick the raptors like i don't really have a reason just that like they have too many good pieces to not get in like I think they're better than the Bulls. I think they're better than Atlanta. I think they're better than Indiana. Like, I don't think they'll, they're one of the top six team, but like Toronto feels like a team like Siakam was hurt for a long time. He's on my fantasy team. So that's why I know that. But like, if they can get going, I think that Toronto team is more complete than some of the teams ahead of them. And I think that they can also kind of jump into that conversation. So um, those are my two picks Lakers. I have zero faith in you. Um, Moving on. So as I mentioned, we're about halfway through the season, which means the all-star game is coming up. The NBA all-star game is ridiculous. Let's be real. But there is kind of one interesting little thing going on in the front court, specifically in the Eastern Conference. So Kevin Durant, all-time great player. Jason Tatum, potential MVP. Giannis, two-time MVP. And Joel Embiid all can't start in the front court of the NBA all-star game to be fair. The NBA doesn't really play positions anymore, but all four of those guys can't start the all-star game. They're all, pro- they're all going. Uh, I told the boys to ignore the fact that Katie's hurt right now. Cause he's potentially will be back by then trade. And we'll start with you between those four who who's sitting like, who's not starting in your all-star uh, all-star game because obviously Donovan Mitchell has to start at the shooting guard because he's a top eight player according to Tyler. <laughs> um, I, I still don't know why they can't all play, but it doesn't really matter because I don't know. It's also my game, so they can't all start. <laughs> That's fair. I don't know if that was a rule. That's why I was like looking rule at now. I was like, if that is the rule, I love it. I mean, I just, I just, you know, just cover my bases. Um, I, to me, it's Giannis and Katie are in like for sure. Like that, that, that to me, they're they're in for sure. So it's going to be between Jason Tatum and Joel Embiid. 
And it's a, it's it's close, <laughs> it's really freaking close. And that's why you that's why you do great great workouts. You you make us really think. Um, <laughs> I I I I'm gonna give the the edge to to Embiid. I think that he's playing. I think he's playing incredible right now. And I know that Jason Tatum is too, but but I it seems like Embiid is is kind of a a little bit level above. It seems like he's really carrying this uh this uh Philadelphia team on his back to to an extent. I know uh, it seems like J- the Boston Celtics are a little more well-rounded. So while Jason Tatum is doing a great job in terms of supporting his team and, and being a driving force for that team, it, 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 it says a lot when, you know, when Embiid's doing to see what Embiid doing what he's doing. So um, I think that that, that to me deserves a start. Okay. James, you made a face. You're very, you do that a lot. When he does that a lot. Well, I feel sometimes. <laughs> yeah. The amount of blasphemy and disrespect on Jason Tatum. <laughs> First of all, Tyler was like, oh, yeah, Donovan Mitchell's better than Tatum. I was like, no way. And then Tatum's like, yeah, we're going to leave him off the starters. And, oh, my God. Jason Tatum is an MVP candidate and is absolutely destroying this season. He's one of the main reasons why the Celtics are doing so damn good. But that's not the reason he's in my starting lineup for the All-Star game. The reason being is because the All-Star game is an entertainment-driven thing. You want some explosiveness. You want some fun. You want some people who are going to be goofy. You know what? Of all those four players, the person who is least likely to be fun and goofy is Giannis. He, I've said this time and time again, his play style is boring. It's not fun to watch. He's just this bumbling, massive dude going to the paint, getting layups and drawing fouls. He's going to try and win at all times. And like I said, it's all about entertainment. KD and Tatum, they're explosive. They're fun. They can shoot the ball. They can do all sorts of things. And I don't know I'm being personally, but I feel like that guy is a goober. I feel like he's going to be shooting left-handed. He's going to goober. He's going to throw behind the back lob passes. He's going to try and dunk with his elbows. I don't know. And Bede seems like that type of dude and somebody you want to watch play a lot. Purely from an entertainment standpoint, I'd start Embiid, I'd start Tatum, and I'd start KD. Giannis, you're coming off the pine, bro. <laughs> Interesting. Ty, what about you? I love that. You can't have Giannis coming off the bench. You know, you can't, you can't have Donovan Mitchell you top know, eight player you know. over Jason Tatum. <laughs> no, don't do that. No. Yeah. Uh, sorry. You know, we, we've been doing this podcast for a while. And one thing that I've learned is pretty consistent is James and I disagree on basketball a lot. And that's going to continue because I got Tatum on the bench on this one. Um, I just, in terms of just, no! the, yes, yes. And Donovan Mitchell's going to start and I'm going to love it. Cause like I told you, obviously it, it's whatever, but yeah. Uh, Tatum benching. Uh, I just like, you know, Embiid and Giannis, just these physical presence of, of players that I, I enjoy watching. I don't think Giannis is boring. Uh, and Katie obviously is one of the best of his generation to do it. So you've got to start him. Um, but you know, Tatum will probably start because Katie will probably be hurt. So James, you'll probably get your way. Dude, Jason Tatum's awesome though. Like, let's be real. Oh, he is. Oh, he is awesome. awesome. Jason Tatum, MVP candidate dropped 51 yesterday. He's starting. Uh, I think James, I'm going to, I think you and I agree a lot on basketball, but if for an entertainment factor, I think you have to start Giannis. He's the best athlete out of all four of them. Even if you put the other three together, he might be the best athlete. So he can <laughs> probably do stuff like without defense. That would be really fun. Um, I, I'm i really stuck between KD and Embiid. Like you went for the fun factor. Like KD is the most boring like superstar 
in basketball. You can't, but like in the in the All Star game, like I want to see dunks. And I'm sitting, Katie. Uh, yeah, I'm sitting, Katie, and I'm gonna let oh, Giannis and Tatum and Embiid just have fun out there. Um, okay, and then last topic, just two kind of interesting things that happened over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, I was not here last week, but. The San Antonio Spurs, who are having an awful season, broke the NBA attendance record with over 68,000 fans at the Alamo Dome, um, which was original where they played like in the 90s. Um, At the time, it was not that much capacity like it's now built for like a football stadium. To be fair, if you've seen some of the pictures, the views were awful. If you were way the fuck up there, (laughs) like no idea what's going on. But between that... And then the Miami Heat went 40 for 40 from the free throw line and won by a single point against my now apparently OKC Thunder. So, (laughs) Ty, which one is more interesting to you or just like thoughts on these two kind of funky things that have happened over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, for me, it's no question. It's the Miami free throw one is is way more interesting. Like that is, first of all, amazing. I'm pretty, that's an NBA record. I'm pretty sure, right? 40 for 40, perfect on free throws. That's very impressive, but the fact that only won by a point, I mean, there's so many times where I've watched basketball and they, you know, they throw the stats up on the board, you know, and a team will lose by like, you know, five points and they miss 10 free throws. I'm like, damn, if they would have just made, you know, six of those, they, they, they would have won the game. It's just like, I feel like that's such a, 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 a part of the game that's not talked about a ton that, that really makes a difference. Uh, and the mining media would be freaking perfect to, 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 to do that. So that, that to me is wild. Uh, that 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 they that they didn't win by like at least ten points by setting that record, um, but I definitely. But also in terms of like the, the those those basketball games that are played in these giant arenas, like basketball in giant arenas just doesn't work. It's it just it's it's not meant for that. Like cool, they set you know they played in this giant ass stadium that I didn't even know existed until last week. Great, um, <laughs> but like. I, I, it's just it's not it's it's a more intimate game it's 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 not a game that's played on a grander scale like it just doesn't work so they just need to stop doing that shit it's stupid so are you saying that hockey should stop doing outdoor oh. classics because that's the same thing i it's not the same thing i think i think hockey works a winter classic outdoor game whatever you no. know what i meant hockey works because you got that outdoor element to it right and that that that's what makes it fun but um Oh, that's right. You can't play basketball outside. I forgot. No, they did. They 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 did a college basketball game on a crew on a aircraft carrier earlier in the season. That was cool, but that was like a small intimate setting, so that kind of worked. They yeah, the college basketball thing they do that on the aircraft carrier every year. I think. Um, oh shit! Well, or pretty okay. frequently. Whatever. I'm moving on from you, James. Uh, just your thoughts on these kind of funky things that happen in the NBA. Forty for forty is insane. That's a lot of free throws. Like way more than anybody should have, or any team should have. And the fact that they hit 40 out of the 40 is incredible to me because the best free throw shooter of all time, probably Steph Curry, if given 40 free throws, he would probably make 30, 60, 37 of them. He wouldn't make every single one. But an entire team shooting perfectly, and you're taking into account different people because most people are career like 70% free throw shooters. Not that good, right? But the team as a whole made 100% of 40 attempts. Incredible. And also that means that there was foul trouble on the other end for the Thunder. That's give or take 20 fouls for the other team because two free throws, you know, maybe three. So, okay, 15 to 20 extra fouls to the other team on top of being in the bonus, which means that team 
was in foul trouble, which means they probably sagged off as defenders because they didn't want to commit another foul and get fouled out of the game. And you got 40 extra free points at the line, and you still only won by one is incredible to me. How is, is that even possible? Like, how are the Miami Heat failing in other facets of the game that bad that they won by one point after playing a team that was in foul trouble and were given 40 extra points, a 40-point handicap? Insane to me. Miami Heat should not make the playoffs or the play tournament. <laughs> uh, we haven't said math pod in a while, so James, thank you for bringing that up again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Miami thing's wild. Either the Thunder just shot the ball like crazy. I honestly have not looked like that deep into the stats of that game, but um, yeah, it's wild. Uh, Traded, just your your thoughts on those two things. Um, uh, yeah, really quick. I mean, I, I agree I agree with James on, on this one. I, how the fuck can you be that bad in every other part of the game except to refill? That, that is, that's bonkers to me. Um, something that's interesting, Alex, you can play basketball outside. In fact, I want to oh. see I want to see a stadium. I want to see I want to see fucking two teams. I want to see Detroit Pistons and we'll throw in uh, I don't know, fucking <laughs> No, listen, listen. I want to see Detroit Pistons and um, I don't know. The Boston Celtics play in at Michigan Stadium, the largest football stadium in the world, when in the middle of January. <laughs> <laughs> I would let's watch see that. How, let's see how they let's see how they do. I would watch that for sure. I see, would, now I would it's intriguing all of a sudden. That's for sure. People are gonna be huddled up trying not to freeze their ass off. Now it's intriguing all of a sudden. <laughs> um yeah, the Miami thing, like you guys, they better figure it out. This first thing is just like kind of a cool story. Um, I I have no idea how much the tickets cost, but I really hope the people that were like way, way up in the nodes, please did not spend a crazy amount because like, yeah, you could not see anything from up there. Um, but Tyler, those words one, so. <laughs> well, yeah, the Spurs are terrible. <laughs> Tyler, that is all I got for basketball this week. All right. Thank you, Alex. And that is going to wrap up uh, episode 100 Magic Johnson. Um, Hopefully you had time to think about that and hopefully you figured it out by now. If not, just you suck. Um, Anyway, uh, we hope that you have a fantastic week. Hopefully your New Year's resolutions are going great. If they're not, sorry. Um, But yeah, show, uh, put some love out in the world. It'll come back to you. Uh, Have a great fucking week and we'll see you next time.